together on a very beautiful afternoon. I see lots of faces who should be at 9 and 11 tomorrow. <laughs> so we await the great white death that comes uh, very soon. But it is uh, good to be here uh, always together. Recently, uh, Pope Francis um, released a writing called The Joy of the Gospel. And he says this. He says, the joy of the gospel fills the hearts and lives of all who encounter Jesus. With Christ, joy is constantly born anew. You know, we live in a world that, well, it kind of puts Jesus aside. I think most of us are very much aware that uh, on the Friday after Thanksgiving, what is known as Black Friday, shoppers wait for you know, the, the annual doorbuster sales. And of course this year, some stores didn't wait for Friday. We had to start a little bit earlier on Thanksgiving Day. You know, Black Friday shoppers, they lose their mind. And, and oftentimes, they lose their religion as well. We live in a crazy world, and, and you know, looking back at that Black Friday, oh, it's kind of about fun and frivolity and, and looking at you know, the crazy things that happen there. But we live in a world where there are far more crazy things that are so very much more harmful. You know, Jesus calls for a different world than the one in which we are living. Jesus calls us to be disciples. Jesus calls us to have a relationship with him. And in, in doing that, in living out that kind of life, then we create a world like he wants instead of a world that too often turns out like humanity desires. You know, we are being called to build the kingdom of God. And Matthew's gospel shows a very intense awareness of a world that was really no different than what we're experiencing today. The Roman Empire, the injustices of that empire, the huge divide between rich and poor. Now there, in that society as well as the one we live in today, there are truly insiders and outsiders. And through Matthew, Jesus is calling on disciples to create a, a new world order in which everything people had known will be turned on its ear so that God's order will prevail. You know, there should be no outsiders in God's kingdom. And Jesus was very well aware of the plight of the ordinary person. You know, no, almost no one in that day had the luxury of thinking about their future. You know, we enkindle in our children dreaming. Dreaming about what they can be, what they can do, 
you know, the future that will come upon them because of, of what they are able to create with the gifts that God has given them. But in the time of Jesus, people didn't have time for that. You know, for most people in those days, day-to-day -day survival was all-consuming. You know, enough food, how they would keep their children clothed, and how they would manage to stay in their homes were preoccupations. They were preyed on by the corrupt leaders, and they were worn out by taxes. These all-consuming worries, and I think we do very much understand them as well today, they took up time that, that could have been devoted to serving God. And that's what Jesus is confronting here. You know, the ability to put God first had been co-opted by worry. By worrying about everything. And so Jesus is teaching that misplaced priorities created the worst of all worries. We must put our faith in God first. And we might recall the words of Jesus on the cross that we will hear again in not too many weeks. My God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? And we hear these words a little differently in our passage from Isaiah today. The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. It's a lamentation. These words from Isaiah on behalf of the people in exile in Babylon. And lamentations begin with saying how bad things are and how hopeless the people feel. But they always end with reasons to have hope. And Isaiah's words today, even should she forget, I will never forget you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus uttered that cry from the cross, he did not feel abandoned. As a Jewish man, he was praying with a psalm, and in this case, it was Psalm 22. And it is a psalm that reminds us that God is always, always present. And at the end of Psalm 22, there is rejoicing that God did not turn away from me, but heard me when I cried out. Any Jew who heard Jesus' words on that day would have known that Jesus had absolute trust that God was there with him. Despite all appearances to the contrary, Isaiah tells us that even if a mother could forget her child, God would never forget us. 
And Pope Francis, in his exhortation, The Joy of the Gospel, he echoes every sentiment we hear from Jesus today. As the Gospel teaches and as Pope Francis reminds us, we are called to create a different world order. We are called to value the things that Jesus values, not what the world values. And trusting God's desire to care for us does not, does not prevent bad things from happening. But trust in God dispels the worry. And we cannot let worry co-opt our faith in God. Take a dollar bill and look at it. And printed on that dollar bill are the words, in God we trust. <coughs> is it God we trust? Or is it that bill itself? Mammon is far more than money, though. You know, mammon is and, and can be a master of our lives that, that takes away our energy and our love and our hope. And only one master, only one master gives us hope.